gentlemen, welcome to the most electrifying, must-listen-to podcast in sports entertainment. Welcome to FFC. I am your host, the... I don't know how to say the word. I sweat a lot. It's very sweaty host, Damian Ellinghouse. Perspirant? Pers- moist. Moist. I am your very moist host, Damian Ellinghouse, accompanied as always by good friend and lover of moist men, Ryan Doyle. How are you, sir? I deserve that introduction, I suppose. Yes, yes, you do. Uh, I'm doing just fine, swell, and dandy. Uh and we have with us, as promised, a special guest tonight. This time, we were not lying when we said we had a special episode. So, with us here today is a co-host of the only podcast you ever need to listen to, a father of two, a founding member of one of the... Crit- one of the post-hardcore bands in Long Island's history. From marking out, Chris Sweeney. Welcome to the show. Wow, I got chills. I've got chills with that intro. Wow, you didn't have to do that. Wow. Thanks Could for it be? Me. Oh, my. It's, it's Sweeney time. <laughs> well, I'm, sto- I'm stoked to be here. Thank you for uh, the introduction, and thank you for having me on. Um, it's been... A very long time since I was on podcast talking to different people about professional wrestling and one where I can, I can swear, right? Absolutely. Oh, swear away. Ahead, this my is friend. not Danhausen's show. Fuck. Awesome. There okay. you go. <laughs> All right. You no, know, because I'm, I'm marking out. We try to keep it very PG. So we try not to swear. We'll bleep stuff out. All, all that stuff. Usually nope. when we when we when we curse, instead of saying like putting a bleep in there, we'll say Bob Backlund instead. So I'm like, what the? And then we'll do in post-production. We'll go. You'll hear my co-host go, Bob Backlund. That's fine. <laughs> uh, we do not have that level of uh, censorship, mainly because that would be way too much work for me. So yeah. we just curse like filthy fucking sailors. Also, Perfect. it's sub- it's like so subconscious. I don't realize I do it until I go back and listen to the tracks. Like, oh wow, oh, I just dropped yeah. the bomb eight times there. Yeah, no, I, I I can't not curse. What am I? What are you supposed to? This isn't for the kids. FFC isn't for the children. It's for me. It's for me and Ryan and now yeah. Chris. And me too. Awesome. Now, Chris, you have been a host of Marking Out for 10 years, which puts you in some pretty rarefied air. Oh, yeah. There are not that many podcasts that have gone consistently. Uh, your last episode was what, the 552nd, something like that? I believe so. Um, well, I'll, I'll backtrack. So uh, we started the podcast back in 2011. I did it as something that I went back to school. I went to the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. So I said to myself, I'm like, I need to get my vocal chops up somehow. And the summer beforehand, 2010, it was when the, the pod father himself, Cole Cabana, started his podcast. So I'm like, you know what? Let me do a podcast. What do I like? I like beer. I like baseball. Um, I like professional wrestling. I'm like, let me do a wrestling podcast because you know there wasn't that many out there. So me and my good friend Dave, Um, I begged and pleaded with him to do this podcast and he did it and he liked it and we just kept going on. But I really have to say like the bread and butter of the podcast is um, he it's like I essentially say it's his show now because he 
is still doing it every single week. Uh, my co-host and social media influencer, Brandon, who you can follow on all social media channels at BTTG161. I don't know why I'm plugging him because he probably won't listen to this. He's a you know podcast prophet, but he won't listen to podcasts regardless. Um, so yeah, and we just he just kept it strong while you know we did changes. I'll pop on here and there to talk about things. Like I was on about a month ago because we spoke about going to GCW Homecoming, which was awesome. Um, and we'll pop on here and there. I'll do things you know when there's a big event, if there's an anniversary or WrestleMania stuff like that. We'll pop. Well, all three of us will try to get on there to talk it. So we always have a revolving cast of people going on. That's a good setup that you guys have going on. And uh, like I said, like when I think of the amount of podcasts that have been going on for, for 10 years, it's really not that many. I mean, like you said, Colt, Cabana, well, actually is Colt, Colt hasn't done it in a while. Has he? He stopped doing like the long form interview of art of wrestling. And then like the, the road diaries that he did for it, the, like he kind of rebranded it to the road diaries. And now he's doing something called wrestling anonymous where he's having people call into like a Google line and leave voicemails about like experiences they've had in professional wrestling. It's oh. a cool concept. I haven't gotten a chance to listen to them because I listen to too many wrestling podcasts out there. Yep. And I'm listening and I'm finding new ones every, every day to, you know, check out. So um, yeah, like he's still one. doing it. Yeah. Like this one. And I listen to <laughs> you guys million, uh, frequently. Baby. That's it. Oh, frequently. That's that. Oh, that, that tickles my, my, my warm heart. Add a 12th to the list, Damien. There you go. 12th <laughs> listener right here. There we go. Pad the lope a little bit there, brother. You know? well, well, Chris, before we, we get into the meat and potatoes, uh, since you listen, you, of course, know that in the beginning, we talk about what we're drinking. Now, a lot of guests have come on with water. All I want to know is, is it water? There we oh, go. There yeah, we go. Yeah. All right, so so for this the people that aren't gonna watch this, what is this? I am drinking a Duvel, Duvel, whatever you want to call it. Um, I worked at a Belgian bistro for ten years, and I know too much about Belgian beer and Belgian beer culture. And I was having a conversation with somebody recently, and they're like, yeah, "I haven't had Duvel in a while." I'm like, "Yeah, neither have I." So I went to the beer distributor, picked this up, special occasion, calls for a special beer. You know? There you go. It's time. I Fine. am just grateful that it's not sparkling water. Uh, nobody ever seems to get the fucking memo. You know, they come onto this show, they say they're going to play by our rules, and then they just they just dance all over our still fresh graves. You know, Damn. it's it's not great. Pissing your cornflakes. That's like the siren. That's exactly what's happening. You're pissing <laughs> in our cornflakes. Well, not you, my friend. No piss in these cornflakes today, uh, except for the beer that we're drinking. So, Ryan, what about you? What piss are you drinking? Uh, I have purple haze piss by a beer. <laughs> no, I have uh, uh, purple good, haze. Solid beer. Solid beer. <laughs> Uh, Purple Haze. I believe I tried this on the show before, so it's a little bit of a recall. This is like your third time, I think. <laughs> really? I fucking it's like love this. And Voodoo man. Rangers is what Ryan goes to the well with. No, Voodoo Rangers when I don't have time and I just stop at Seven Eleven, and that's that's like the most like <laughs> the different the most different beer they had there. But yes, Abita Brewing Purple Haze. If you know about it, no further words shall be spoken. But this is an old classic for me. Uh, it was the mainstay of Evan Gervin, rest in peace. But however, it's a nice way to. This is pretty much the last night of summer. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. What do you mean, rest in peace, Ryan? The spirit of Evan Groovin lives strong, does it no, not? No, it does No. <laughs> Are you sure? No. Nope. I believe that building is occupied currently. It's been repurposed. Well, in any case, I am drinking a Saranac Blueberry Blonde. Okay. This I was, see. Uh, yes? Go ahead. No, go ahead. This was in the summer beer pack. Uh, I got it upstate. 
and it's it's a fun little ditty usually i feel like the summer beer packs give you like one fruity beer and then everything else is an ipa but this one had like a grapefruit session and a blueberry blonde and like their summer it was, it was a very nice uh very nice selection and this one i i love a good blonde ale and you can you can throw a blueberry in like a bud and i'll be happy with it so that's what i've got here I think I just didn't get the memo. I didn't get everyone's got these fruity beers tonight. And I'm drinking the, you know, we're just my, some my fruity guys. We're a couple yes. of fruity guys. Well, but you, you being a self-proclaimed, you know, connoisseur of Belgian beers. I mean, it's not exactly like they are strangers to the art of fruit in your beer. Yeah. So your spirit is there. I'll go get an orange out of my fridge. There, there you go. That. Just, just dump it oh, in. Ruin this white beer. oranges, baby. <laughs> So for any beers that are not open, we pop it, we crack it, we do what we do. Oh. And we sip it. Hold on, got to pour mine. Oh, that's Oh, we got a pour here. Well, he did say he was a connoisseur. Well, we need the effervescence and the air to... Yeah, yeah, you got to let it breathe. You got to let it breathe. Let him breathe. That's what they say, right? In the wrestling action figure game. Hmm. Get the head on that bad boy. That's like a yeah. four finger head right there. Yeah, well, you know, with especially like the, with these glasses too, they put like little etchings at the bottom of the glass to keep the carbonation going to keep like the the head retention because that's oh. part. That's a that's I've had people return like a duval and be like, "This isn't an a duval glass. I need it in there for oh my God. that for that aspect." Yeah, <laughs> but I couldn't find my duval glass, so I'm using a delirium glass, which is still giving me that same retention. And that's what matters. I mean, it's kind of like when you have Guinness in a non-Guinness glass and you're like, well, this is going to be a shit pint of beer and like 10 times out of 10, you're right. Uh, a good beer deserves a good glass. So we've got a fair bit of stif- stuff to talk about, but um, I want to give Chris the rub for a second. A little bit of shine, if you will. Woo! Come on, now, it shine! Obviously, you know, as, as, as we said, you know, 10 years you've been doing this podcast, right? Still coming on and off, but but a remarkable amount of time. And, you know, like you said, coming into the game early. So I guess my first question would be, especially since you were doing wrestling podcasts before people that weren't Cole Cabana really had the idea to do it. And you kind of only had maybe, was that before Cornette was doing anything? Was it really just Dave? I think it was still Dave. I think Cornette was, was doing it, but it wasn't what, and I think JR had a podcast back then but it wasn't uh-huh. grilling with JR. Yeah. I think there was a period where Jake the Snake had one too. Yeah, so it, was, it was early on, early yeah. on. Yeah. So in the 10 years plus that you've been doing this and, and in this landscape especially, what are some trends that you've noticed with like more modern day wrestling podcasts versus before? And do you feel like it's evolving in a positive way or do you feel like it's stagnant? Um. Everybody does, and and we do it too. Everybody does the rundown of everything that happens, especially doing a weekly podcast. It's like, okay, on Raw, this happened, that happened, then this happened, then that happened. And, you know, oh, hey, here's an interview with this old timey wrestler that, you know, we just got in, got just, uh, you know, gave us an interview. We interviewed, who was the other half of Scotty Riggs. We interviewed Scotty Riggs like before, like he was like semi, you know, on the scene again or whatever it was. But like, I feel like the let's review every single week. It, there's an oversaturation to that. 
you know, like you guys do a good job of like pinpointing certain things. Like you guys aren't like, you know, like your week last week, Hey, let's cover new Japan. Boom. Let's go here. Let's cover what's going to go on in SummerSlam. You didn't cover like, Oh yeah, let's, you know, do Ross Smackdown and NXT. You you have to cover your bullet points when it Mm -hmm. comes to it, because that, that will get you very stagnant. You know, pick pick and choose your, your favorite things. Like if I went on to that, like if we recorded a session of the podcast tonight, I would try to give it some, hey, listen, let's just cover our bases here. We don't have to talk about the backstage promo because some people are like, and then this happened in this backstage promo, and that happens. It's picking and choosing your spots. Not get stagnant. You don't want you want people to also you gotta kind of be exciting with it. Mm-hmm. That's the most that's the most important thing, too. Um, so I mean, yeah, that's the only that's the only thing I can think of is just the weekly just running down everything you got to make yourself interesting like my co-host brandon too he'll do like impersonations like we don't just and then like the end of the show we'll do our our mark out moment of the week so every week we pick out something that we went super nuts for oh hey this is what we marked out for um my co-host he does like impersonations so like he'll throw his impersonations there and we kind of add little bits and pieces of ourselves to it just not to make it boring like we'll go we went on random uh diatribes about like the weirdest stuff in the world. I can't think of anything off the record right now. So, but yep. Circling back to what I was saying, don't be stagnant, you know, get away from doing the rundown of the week show and focus on just little topics here and there. Yeah. Does anything make you shudder more than, Hey, it's our weekly raw report. Oh my God. I mean, yes. I mean, I mean, at least now there's a little more variety. We have more options to choose from. As you mentioned, we have different companies to look at now. We have different shows. We have, my God, we have six shows, I think, close to during the week, which is like insane. If you're thinking back, especially back to the time when you started, you know, that was kind of like. It was hard to get. So was this before the CM Punk promo or is this? This was before the CM Punk promo. Because I I remember sitting down. And like going verbatim over every single line, yeah, of that thing. We just sat down, we dissected the entire thing. No, yeah, exactly. I recall that too because that was some fucking dark times. I mean, there were some good, like compared to some of the product now, there were some good times there. But, geez, I was only relegated to reading like the weekly reports on Raha.com, and then I remember <laughs> wow. like the main headline was just like CM Punk gives best promo in years. It's like what the fuck is this? And little did I know that that would be like the zeitgeist to continue i guess like did you expect this i mean it's hard to, it's hard to imagine what's going to even happen next year in wrestling but did you like expect another company with two shows and just a whole you hear of but like i get and and everybody says it all the time you hear it every other year hey this billionaire is going to start up a company and they're going to be the you know the anti to whatever wwe is doing every single year you heard that but now it's finally a thing. And now like with, with technology and especially the way that we've all had to adapt in technology over the past year and a half, because of everything that's going on in the world, wrestling is so much more acceptable. Like me, like me as a wrestling fan, I don't watch WWE. I'm not sitting there Monday night turning on. All right, let's get ready to watch three hours. I don't watch SmackDown. I'll turn that's on me. I, that's I, me. I, I can't. I fucking, I can't. Who does it? Who has time? I, 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 was, I was telling Ryan before we went on, I have IWTV. I, mm-hmm. I, the, so I pay 10 bucks a month. 
every single night I'll turn that on. Hey, AIW streaming. Hey, um, this is streaming. Hey, you want to watch Tournament of Death 15? Let me watch Tournament of Death 15. So it's like I, there's other things out there, and I don't watch the WWE product every single week. I watch AEW religiously because I'm a, I don't want to say I'm a big fan of like the Young Bucks or Kenny Omega, but they're undercard. All those guys, the Orange Cassidy's, the Trent's, um, the Dark Order, all those guys are, are fantastic, which, which is what ropes me in because like I want to say I'm not a big fan of like the larger than life characters. And that's been a very big topic I know in WWE over the past, you know, two weeks is that they're kind of, you know, pivoting themselves to be more of like large characters, they're rebranding NXT. And I like the guys that can work. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. And so I have other avenues out there that I can watch these things. That's really like the biggest thing. And we, we talk about this here all the time, you know, is I, cause I, Ryan, Ryan has his Monday night raw ritual that he's been doing and that he subjects himself to week in and week out. Um, I can't think of the last time that I, with regularity, even when SmackDown started really getting good at the beginning of Roman's heel turn, like I couldn't turn in, tune in every week at this point. I can't even necessarily catch dynamite every single week. I catch when I can. Um, but like you said, you know, I also have IWTV and I, I don't necessarily use it to the same degree, but it's the same idea. Like, you know what? Maybe I don't want to watch something old. Why don't I want to, let me see what's going on with the indies right now. Let's see who's up and coming. And the ability to then see those people show up on AEW or show up on impact or show up on new Japan strong. It's the most exciting time to be a fan. It's so long. And you, and especially you get a, a connection with those guys. Like look at like John Silver and Alex Reynolds. I saw them 10 years ago at the NYWC Sportatorium. I saw Johnny Silver have a tear down match with Sammy Callahan. Like before, Sam, this was like when Sammy was on that run with those matches they had with Finley mm-hmm. and like Evolve and stuff like that. I saw him tear the house down. Now these guys have been so good for so many years and to see them, like on AEW, Johnny doing his thing and Alex doing the thing. It's like, I'm like, I have this, I have this connection with them now because I've been watching them for so long. That's how I feel. What, like when Wheeler Yuta started showing up with best friends, I had just, I like the first match I ever saw was his match with Lee Moriarty in that 60 minute fucking wild IWTV championship match. Yeah. And then just like putting on bangers with Willow Nightingale and Trisha Dora and, and all these other people. And then he shows up. And now he's like on AEW TV. It, you're right. There's a connection that you finally can follow in a way that isn't patrolling boards and just like, you know, you're either living in an area or you don't. It's it's yeah. very cool. Um, but also, to- yeah, to just to add on that, we uh, we had Rex Lawless on the podcast uh, last year and he was just, he was talking about the same thing because he, he is also a member of the uh, NYWC. Yeah, uh, I used to go to all the still. Yeah. And he was just talking about like, you know, there's definitely more of a personal connection with all these guys right now because it's not that they're larger than life figures, but like, you know, you feel like these guys are like literally in my viewpoint from Rex, I went to high school and grew up with the guy, but like, you feel like you grew up with all these guys, you know what I mean? They're just Mm -hmm. like one of the boys. I think that it really adds to the specter of watching the current product and everything right now. I, I couldn't agree more. And, and like to the larger overall point, like with the original question, you know, it's important to, you have to switch it up. You can't, always do the same thing. And, and that's why we critique AEW. I don't necessarily think we critique them more than WWE because frankly, they don't do quite as much to critique, but you have so many options and so much good wrestling out there. 
that to, to spend your entire time only focusing on Raw, SmackDown, Dynamite, NXT is, there, there, there's so much more out there. It's a wider world. And of course, this is then going to lead to an episode where we do a preview for only AEW and New Japan, but whatever. Um, but big weekend. It's a big weekend. It is, it is a big weekend. But um, my... I'll make it my last question so that we don't, we, we get to the goodies, but aside from being a 10 year plus stalwart in podcasting, you had a little foray into music with a band that I enjoyed very much, Carve Your Niche, with uh, former singer, now rock star, bigger, larger than life, uh, Hulk Hogan sized egomaniac, uh, Anthony Capozzi. Um, I guess my question would be during your time in niche, because we, we, we all friends with people in the long Island scene. Yeah. How different was it back when you guys were operating versus what's going on now? I feel like now, well, I feel like it kind of started while we were around and I think I want to like, I want to, I want to bury him as much as I can, but I want to say Anthony, I think Anthony has really like kind of put together this like, made everybody friends within the heavy metal community because oh, yeah. even like before carve your niche like i played shows a long time you know i'm 36 years old i was i was in a heart a metal band like four years before that and like nobody wanted to be friends with anybody nobody wanted to hang out it's like hey i'm gonna go to the show puff my chest but like once we started coming like and this is a thing like me and anthony like we've had conversations about too like when we're in the metal scene you want to be friends with everybody because like you play with this band you play with that band like Oh, hey, let's put together a show. Oh, we played with those guys last week. They were cool. Let's ha- let's hang out with them. And then they'll and then they'll like hit the favor back. But like, oh, go, hey, we're gonna book a show here. Why don't you do that? And Anthony's so good about that. He'll promote every band that he's, you know, friends with, every band that he's in, you know. So I feel like that was kind of the turning point because I feel full like a lot more people were like hanging out and people were like, okay, let's do all these shows. You know, like we played so many shows with goods. I also want to say to another person that really helped out the Long Island metal scene was, uh, I believe a friend of all of ours, Sean Ageman. Oh, yeah. you know, washed up, did the uh, unbelievable set of shows like every other month, putting like bands like Moontooth out there, putting them like headlining on shows, you know, and putting the washed up media name on there. So all everybody everybody knows Sean, everybody knows how talented he is. They come support him, check out a bunch of bands. And then that way the scene would kind of flourish a little bit, flourish more. I, I, yeah, I, I, there are many things that Anthony is good at many more things that he's shit at, but you're absolutely (laughs) right. He, he's somebody that loves to be friends with people and he loves to like get people in rooms together and, him and, and Sean and everybody that really did stuff with washed up and, and, you know, all the rest of the goods guys and, and you guys and in the people Thracian and all, all these, these guys and gals came together to really make something special that now we see something where you have quite a few bands flourishing out there. Yes. So in, in many ways, this is your responsibility. You are the godfather, not just of wrestling podcasting, but also of long Island metal. No, I'm not. You are. No, you are. That's where I'm standing. That's that's I don't see any other um, way to look at it. Well, I mean, I've been going to shows since I was 18 years old at like 
uh, Oil City Skate Park had shows oh, there. Yeah, I know. Like, that's real old. And Ground Zero in Belmore. Oh, well, right around the block for me, bro. The yeah. legendary Ground Zero. I tell people about that place, and they think it's like some fucking mythical Atlantic, like, fucking... <laughs> like place that doesn't exist because I, you know, you list all the bands that came up on that scene. But one point I wanted to make is that you made a great point. Like, you know, back growing up, I guess I was like in high school at the time. Like every, every time I went to a show and like, you know, I wasn't ingrained as much as I am right now, but it, 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 anybody that I met, it's like, okay, who am I going to fucking fight tonight? But now oh, it's that- like Anthony's ethos, a lot of it. And I think a lot of people in the scene can agree. It's like, you know, who am I going to party with tonight? And like, you know, you want to like, we have to take advantage of what we have. And we have, we do have a special thing going on Long Island. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And each one of us here have their own different, unique perspective on everything. And their different, like, you know, path in within the scene. And mm-hmm. it, it's very important to have that because, you know, I remember like, you know, Long Island is like this tough boy scene. And I went up to Albany to visit a friend and he showed me his scene. Everybody's having a good time. And I'm like, man, why does everybody hate each other downstairs? Downstairs. <laughs> That, that is a good way to look at it. Yeah. And in a lot of, I mean, look, you, you could com- you put this with any community of artists, but w- the reason that we talk about music so much, aside from the fact that so many of our friends are active in music or musicians themselves, is mm-hmm. there is and always has been this big connection in the way things work between music scenes and wrestling scenes. It's very much the same way, working with different promoters, finding those venues that are really willing to host you, you know, your AMHs of the world, your revolutions, although revolution had a perhaps more um, checkered past than some other venues, but point being, yeah, good good old pay to play. Them in the vibe labs get fucked. Oh my God. (laughs) uh, That's where everybody got their start and hopefully nobody finished there. But point being, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, but I I don't know if you know this, but I actually, I am the, the bass player in Thracian now. So I'm still in a band with Anthony these days. There, you know what? I, he did tell me that, didn't he? And and you came on at the same time as my guitar Kevin. player, Kevin. Yeah. What what a what a gem of a guitar player he is. What a he, gem! Of, he's a gem of a boy. Yeah, he is the true gem of a boy. We love our Kevin. Oh, he's great. Uh, Kevin's one of my oldest friends. We've known each other since we were 13, 14 years old. We've been in bands together since we were kids. He's he's a hell of a player. And when Anthony reached out to me, he was like, you know, do you think like Kevin would be interested? I was like, go fucking hit him up, dude, because. My band's not doing shit. Go fucking hit them up. Get some of that talent in the, like one practice. He said it was all it took. And he was like, yep, get them in. Yeah. Um, but that's awesome. See, so you're right back in it. So yeah. you're trying to distance yourself. But again, Godfather, progeny. That's it. I'm just the old brother that just hangs out in the back across, across <laughs> the arms like, all right, cool. That's, yeah, what all right. Which, that's what I do. That's what I do. I want to come out of Rosh. I wanted to come out of Mosh retirement when uh, Lost Become came around, but I was like, yeah, no, can't. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Not- Ooh, look at the time. Got to get home. Tuck people to bed. Yeah, be the uh, too cold Scorpio <laughs> of the scene, bro. That's right. That's what I'm talking about. The old boy <laughs> that could still hang. I um, was amazed because I I went to GCW homecoming. Yeah, let's talk about that, dude. That I, we I watched the first night of that, and it was certainly messy, but it was awesome. But yeah, tell but us like, what went down, man. This is like two cold score, like seeing two cold Scorpio come out there and like putting a, a a good match with Grim Reefer. I was just like, I sat there the entire time. I was like, this is great. And everybody's like, check this out. This is awesome. I'm like, this is it's just awesome. But like, it was an experience because for number one, that was my first like event that i went to after the pandemic you know once they started opening things up to like oh yeah if you're vaccinated you can go out and you know do whatever you want and have a great time so here i do go into this room of 1500 people and like nobody's not wearing a mask and my anxiety 
the whole night. I'm just like <laughs> blood <I> everywhere. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, is this okay? Am I supposed to go home and like quarantine for 10 days now? But like, it was fun. And like deathmatch wrestling live is a spectacle. And not only did I get Matt Cardona versus Nick Gage, which was a bloodbath. Then we had Drew Parker versus Alex Cologne in the title for title match. And it's just like, Drew Parker's throwing darts in Alex Cologne's back. And like, you can't see it, but then you look up at the, the screen up top and you just see him trying to pull it out. I was like, oh no. Uh, yeah. and, my, and my two buddies I went with are not deathmatch guys. They're just like, they're like right next to the ring, like going nuts. I'm like, I don't feel like getting here with broken glass tonight. I'm going to take a step back. <laughs> yeah. Um, that, so, so when Cardona won and the crowd destroyed him, what was that like to be there in person? Were you worried that he was going to get murdered? I and I and I said this to his face to him because um, he's a high school friend of mine. So I saw him back in May. I was like, hey, man, what's going on with Nick Cage? He's like, I don't know yet. I'm like, listen, you fight him in a death match. You'll be fine. <laughs> you'll be fine. But like there was a, like a group of like 30, like because he, you know, he's built up the, the major wrestling figure podcast. to so, like this absolute he's got this patreon there's a, a group a face of private facebook group of people that are just like they're all action figure fans everybody's hanging out so there's like 30 of us there going nuts and me and my buddies look at each other and go if he wins we're getting in the ring <laughs> i'm like okay let's do it i'm like no we've got tkn in and then he they, they literally had to usher him out because people were going nuts and like all 30 of us are like on top of them we're like yeah <laughs> he did it i'm on like i'm some i'm on some guys vlog like half the big i'm like he did it <laughs> but it was it was one of the funnest wrestling experiences i've never been to in a show because the crowd all night was super hostile you know everyone people go let's go broski you hear fuck cardona like going nuts and it held over until like wee hours in the morning because people are walking the boardwalk in, in Atlantic City just going, bro, ski, bro, ski, bro, ski. <laughs> and the fact that he, he trended over the Olympics. That's yeah. small, incredible. Man. A small indie show trended over the Olympics. And people tried to act like it wasn't a big deal that he won. No, it was, a it was a huge deal. We were all standing outside and there's people walking, like giving us the fingers like, fuck you guys. You're right. And you're stupid wrestling figures. You got to go to hell. <laughs> Yo, having, having the wrestling figure tower outside the ring was just magnifique. You know, I think great. someone was trying to sell one of the figures on eBay. <laughs> figure Blood used covered. In yeah. Figure used in Gage Cardona match. It was <laughs> someone, had, someone had, I don't know if you guys saw it. They had, a Zack Ryder action figure on a noose as he was walking oh out God, and they're holding dude. it up at him. <laughs> what? It really reminded me of the old stories you hear through Cronette. Like, you know, I mean, obviously nobody got stabbed or nobody was like those old Puerto Rico days. Yeah. Well, that's a whole nother level. <laughs> you know, I, I was just talking about Memphis with people jumping the rail and shit like that. But uh, yeah, man, like from, from the perspective, like we couldn't even enjoy the win because like he, won the bell immediately did the fucking boyhood dream getting pelted with fucking full clothes PBRs. <laughs> and then security was like, all right, stop celebrating, man. We're going to get you the fuck out of here. We're going to get you the fuck out of here. And you got to love that. He, he, I mean, he must've been at least a little terrified, but he was like, no, I'm the heel and I'm healing it. Yeah, the he, fuck up. he ate that shit up, man. You know, in, just, order, in order for Zack Ryder to die and for Matt Cardona to be reborn, that was the perfect starting point for everyone. Yes. And then what he did at the, the, the Vegas show coming out like, man, 
Um, and then now last night on Twitter, he debuted the GCW Universal Championship. <laughs> I saw that, which oh is a spinner with the Velcro. <laughs> with the Velcro, <laughs> it's like he's having the run of his career right now, which is it's, outstanding. It's fascinating to see, and it's it's cool that he continues to be like. It, I mean, I think it's cool that him and Brian Myers are getting shown prominently on Impact and. Cardona's doing this while Brian Myers is doing all the cap stuff. And, and it's just, it's cool to see because they're two guys that it's not just like, Oh, we're, we're, you know, dudes that used to be in WWE and we're going to run on that. They're truly trying to completely separate themselves in a lot of ways. And they're doing it by working a shit ton of indie shows. You know, they didn't both go to immediately to AEW and we're like, we're going to feud with Cody or whatever. Like they, they're doing all this other shit. And I feel like it shows how much they must love what they're doing to do. Like you don't step in a ring with Nick Gage and do that shit unless you love what you're doing. Yeah. And, and you know, you're going to make a, an impact, you know, kind of pun intended because he's an impact now. Impact. Uh, I get it. But I uh, going back, I want to go back to like your show last week. You're talking about like the under, you were talking about Dean Malenko talking about guys who were better than the credit they were given. Mm-hmm. I want to say Brian Myers is one of those guys. Yes, he's getting the credit that he deserves now in Impact, and you're seeing like this new side to him. But in WWE, he was, you know, he went on this unbelievable losing streak. You know, he's the guy that helped train The Rock to come to his comeback. They tried to get him to be in like a, a producer role at some point. So it's like, you know, he has the mind to be a professional wrestler and can help the future of professional wrestling, which is, you know, all three of us want to want this sport, whatever you want to call it, it's fake fighting, regardless, um, to thrive. And he's mm-hmm. one of those guys that's helping the way. And you're you're gonna see his lineage and like him be like help the future of professional wrestling. Guys like MJF, guys like you've had him on the show, the show, the Shook Crew, uh, Max Caster, Chris freaking Statlander, who's incredible. So. That's my, my vote for uh, the, the guy that's uh, completely underutilized. Was underutilized, but now he's doing great. It's a great addition, too. And, like, you know, it, if he does become, like, you know, the most unspoken group in wrestling are the producers, you know. Yep. Uh, the Matt Bombs, the Norman Smiley's, like, those guys are heroes to a lot of individuals coming up in the scene. And yes. to, to be fair, like, that's almost like a gilded position to have and like you you are set for life if you are one of those individuals and you will teach more than anybody could imagine than and like a five minute match would result in the ring so you spoke Absolutely. about it you spoke about him last week dean malenko producer yeah. date AEW. and and do you want to see dean in the ring no you don't but his mind for because that's where dean always excelled right the, the personality and the ability to be larger in life wasn't there but the technical know-how and like how do you work a great match That's the type of person you want back there. And, you know, Bryce has has said multiple times when he's come on here, when I've talked to him on our own, like he, for his money, create a pro is the place to train in New York. And, you know, MJF and Shook Crew and, you know, all these guys and Chris Statlander, they're just small tastes of what you're going to keep seeing come out of these schools. Yeah. Uh, So I I agree. That's it. That's a great pick. And so since we are dibbing, and dabbling our toes we'll get right into our main stuff for the night right so we're going to talk about all out and i'd like to talk a little bit about the new japan event that's happening the day before and the day after um so we will get to that 
later. But first, the big event, All Out 2021. This is the third uh, third All Out, not yep. mistaken. And you got to think this is probably, without a doubt, the biggest one they've run simply because this is finally, after seven-plus years, the in-ring return of the best in the world, CM Punk, as he goes up against Darby Allen. So let's get from, we'll go bottom to top, right? Uh, on paper, this is a good-looking card. Now, I've got some issues that we can talk about at the end, but you've got your Battle Royale, your Women's Battle Royale, which I think that the Casino Battle Royales are always a lot of fun. Um, and for my money, from the people that have been announced so far, I feel like obvious people to get, to get the win and get a title shot against Brit, you got to think Thunder Rosa. You're thinking maybe uh, they do Hikaru Shida again. They could do Ty Conti, or you could bring back somebody like any Sakura Biggs. Well, you had a lot of people, I think, that could credibly challenge. Who would your money be on? Ryan, you can go first. It's hard to say, really, because... Uh... You never know with the women's side of things of who's going to really come out on top. It's that's like a, you know, me and Damien have said it before. Like they don't really have a defined women's roster outside of like four individuals. Nope. You mentioned her before. I'd love to see Chris Statlanders start rise to the top. Um, I think one of the surprise entrances is going to be Ruby Soho. I think you, you'll have a good, I think it's a, a sure bet she'll be there. And I would yeah. honestly go out on a limb and say she's going to win. You know, if you want someone to, I think they should use this opportunity to, to establish a defining moment for someone established or even someone new coming. Um, Emmy Sakura is a good choice as well. I think she's a little older than now, though, right? I don't know if they would. Uh, uh, it, she's yeah. 44, so sure. Yeah, it, it would be a little, you know, she's a little long in the tooth, maybe if you're trying to establish, but she'd be a good, like, credible challenger. But we, like you said, we've talked about this a lot. This is the issue they have with their women's booking. They don't really feature them enough for you to really get solidly behind people. But yeah, Ruby is probably a good bet if you're trying to like, all right, let's jumpstart this and make this interesting. What yeah, about you, I think Chris? that'd be a good move. Um, I think it's going to be Thunder Rosa. And I think that's a, a great, after coming out, you know, we're going to get an outstanding women's match. I know I'm jumping uh, I had a little here, you know, you get a Britt Baker defend against Chris Daylander, mm -hmm. but one of the most memorable matches in AEW history was that lights out, no holds barred match between Thunder Rose and Britt Baker. You've given them enough time apart to kind of let everybody kind of let that breathe. And now if you put Thunder Rose back on the spot like them, they can cut great back and forth promos on each other. And then you build it to the next, you know, big pay-per-view, which I think is full gear in November. Yeah. And that's that's a marquee women's match for you to do. I don't I have I, I definitely think that Ruby Soho is going to show up. I don't know if she's going to show up in New York. I don't know if she's going to show up in Chicago. I know she had that great promo that came out today that said destination blank, which could either be New York or Chicago. So we'll see. Destination. I love the fact that Lars <laughs> Fredrickson was just like was talking to her and he's, she's like, I love to make my name Ruby. So he's like, I'll let you use our, our music. We'll get our people to call your people. Fuck yeah. And that's a great get if they, you know, for them. I mean, maybe at some point, who knows? Maybe Rancid plays them out, out in the West Coast. That'd be fucking cool. Uh, they just so have to I, get out to the West Coast. Yeah, they just have to get out there. You're, you're absolutely right. So, yeah, I, I think Ruby, Thunder Rosa, I think it's a little early to do Jade. Uh, I think that it, you're better continuing to build her up right now. But 
I think Thunder Rosa or Ruby are probably the best bets. Uh, then you go on to a match that I don't want people to sleep on because it is going to be sneaky good. And that's, of course, John Moxley versus Satoshi Kojima. Now, this is furthering the storyline of John Moxley uh, basically begging Hiroshi Tanahashi, current United States champion, for a match, saying that, you know, Tanahashi ducked me when I was in Japan, and now he finally comes to the Forbidden Door and Lance Archer gets a fucking match. Like, what about me? And then he opens up uh, a letter, and instead of Hiroshi Tanahashi, it's Satoshi Kojima. Now, Kojima-san is an absolute legend. We've talked about him before, uh, but Kojima is doing quite a bit uh, for Piero in America as of the last couple of months from his run on Impact to what he's doing now. These two have very similar styles. You're going to see big lariats. You're going to see brutality. I would, I mean, I love Moxley. He's probably my favorite wrestler in the world right now. But boy, I can't help but think it would be so fucking cool for Kojima to go over here. But he won't. He won't because we got to build to the Tana match. But this match is going to be sneaky good, I think. Yeah, and Kojima had a four-star match in last year's G1, and the guy's pushing 40, if I'm correct. Uh, he, I don't think two, he wasn't in the ago? G1. Uh, Reg- yeah, regardless, the guy is ago. capable of having a, a four, possibly even five-star match. So, I mean, this is going to be... Uh, absolute treat. Um, you know, bread club for life. I think, you know, I think it's fair to say that Moxley will probably win. I like the idea of like Tana just no selling Moxley up until like he either like beats and like demands a match out of him by beating him possibly at Wrestle Kingdom or something like that, like mm-hmm. in a fight, not an actual match. But uh, yeah, this is going to be a great match. If you haven't seen um, Kojima's work from Ring of Honor, about circa 10 years ago during their heyday, during those couple of runs at the Hammerstein ballrooms. Uh, definitely go those great shows. Out. Yeah. Great shows. I was at, um, I uh, and this is one guy that's being rumored to be at all out, uh, Brian Danielson. I was at his last ROH match against Nigel McGinnis from the tour of the house down. Nice. Um, and there's potential of seeing him now at, at all out in Chicago, even, you know, the reports, you know, you look at the, the news sites and, you know, they're saying, Oh yeah, they're pushing it up to Chicago. And it was supposed to be in New York. And now Brian Danielson's coming at all out. But like, again, this card is so stacked up. I think like one match that I am really excited about because this could, I know we have CM Punk coming back, but this match could steal the show is Pac facing off against Andrade El Idolo. These yes. are two guys that I think I don't think we've ever seen before re- wrestle, and these are two guys that are shit kickers. And hey. I, I, I'm lo- I, I can't wait to see Andrade kind of out of the WWE element for the first time in a very long time, and kind of see him really kind of open his wings for the first time since you know donning a mask as El- La Sombra or El Sombra should be El Sombra. yeah whatever regardless. Also with Pac too, I just rewatched him versus Kenny, and I forgot he won the match. And like, Every, yeah, they want yeah. you to forget that, you know, of, of, of the many, I won't say the many, but of the issues that AEW's had, the missteps that they've made, um, Pac's underutilization kind of stands out to me because they've built him as credible throughout his entire run in AEW, but he has not been featured as he should have been. And I'm very happy that this is a match that's happening. Uh, a, because one thing that this card, good as it looks, uh, 
doesn't have going for it is it does not have a particularly large amount of non-white people wrestling on it. Uh, and that is just a thing that AEW has to come to grips with. That's not something that they're succeeding in. Uh, so I'm glad to see somebody like Andrade in this big spot. And like you said, these are two shit kickers. You don't need a ton of time between these two. And I think that if, if you watched Andrade's match with Kenny uh, at, in Triple A during Triple Mania, it was a good match, but it was not the match of the year contender some people were expecting. That really is because of all the people that have come out of NXT or WWE and then left and done something else. Andrade seems like he's really having to reteach himself how to work that quicker pace, you know, the more Mech Lucha style, Pero style that La Sombra and Los Ingobernables became known for. He's yeah. got to get up to snuff. And Pac is a great guy to do that with because Pac can slow it down and be real meticulous or he can go lightning fast and he is an incredibly safe worker despite how high impact all of his moves are um and if andrade is one thing he is a guy that can absolutely work so you're right i think this has absolute potential to be match of the nights probably the one i'm looking forward to the most um then you have the in-ring return of Paul White versus QT Marshall. And be completely honest, this really doesn't need to be on this card. I under I want Paul White to have his moment, and I, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer. But, like, this did not, I think, need to be on this card at all. Yeah, but it's a, it's a, it's a fun match just to kind of highlight, highlight Paul White. It's a fun that pilot cleanser. Hopefully yeah. it just leads to Paul White versus Mark Henry. I just want him to come out as Captain Insano. So, <laughs> that'd be fucking great oh my god imagine but also too you know qt marshall another guy who you know is finally kind of getting his break in professional wrestling in AEW. a guy that's training guys a guy that has been everywhere and anywhere but you know but new york brother you know and he's responsible for a lot of these guys in the nightmare factory coming up the nick camarados um the lee johnson's helping train these guys so, you know, like maybe it's kind of the rub. Oh, hey, listen, we're going to put you on all out. We're going to put you against the big show. Yeah. You know, put them over, brother. <laughs> Something like I, that. Say. <laughs> I, I, you know, I think my issue with it is like for me, QT just, he doesn't really do it for me. He's definitely good in the ring. I, I got no issues with his work. I don't think he's a bad character either. You know, I don't, I don't find him awful. I just, uh, maybe it's because the way that they positioned this nightmare fraction civil war was just like kind of lackluster. And I, I can, had, I can, I can see that. They had Cody beat QT far too early and it made nothing else have stakes. And then they also had Cody beat the ace after doing a hyper nationalistic fucking face promo against the Nigerian refugee. <laughs> like it's just the, the, maybe it's just, that residual but yeah i mean it's it's a rub as long as it doesn't take up too much time then it's it's fine and you i know. doubt it will you know it's probably just a power cleanser in between the women's battle royale and kojima Moxie yeah match. watch watch qt get the shit kicked out of him get a choke slam and, yeah. fun hit spots the, yeah there you go hit the goozle and the post of the crowd and end scene that's yeah, that, that, that's and that's fine uh a match that i have a feeling ryan is going to be more interested in than me is the Final match between Chris Jericho and MJF. Um, I said this a couple of weeks ago. I like don't really care for Jericho at this stage of his career. Uh, it's not to take away from what he has meant to uh, AEW, how important it was for him to be the first champion, all that stuff. But uh, at this stage of his career, he's really not doing it for me. 
he doesn't look particularly great in the ring. He can cut a promo for sure, but uh, I don't know. For me, something about this just like feels a little in. Is that just me? Does anybody else feel that way? With, you know, rest, you know, wrestling, you see everything that goes on with these wrestlers' lives and knowing that Jericho is about to do a big worldwide tour with Fozzie and, you know, us being the, the smart wrestling fan, I can say, oh, yeah, Jericho's going to lose. But I don't think Jericho is going to lose. I still like seeing Chris Jericho in the ring. The fact that he's, you know, 50 years old and still can do a lion salt, you know, he may have slipped on the ropes once or twice. I still enjoy that. He's one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. So um, I see MJF winning this, but I wouldn't be surprised if Chris Jericho won it. Yeah. Or, if, you know, maybe this is Chris, Chris Jericho's like transition into other things in professional wrestling and not wrestling. I think that's, yeah, I think that's more so on the case. I think the writing is on the wall for Jericho one way or another. Uh, like I said, I grew up with the guy too, you know, despite outside things. Uh, yeah. I still love the guy. Um, you know, I think it doesn't, because we know these this outside news about what's going on with him, with the Fozzie tour, so we can kind of expect that he's going to take time off regardless. I guess we, we expect a more grandiose uh, exit for him. Yeah. You know? I mean the the labors are pretty cool. Yeah, oh, that, those those were awesome. Yeah, so I mean, it, it, but again, you know, it's not. There's so much going on in AEW that it's not going to be, you know, yeah, hurting it to. It's not going to be at the forefront of things. And then, but then that that's like an attraction. You know, all these people exactly, love. Yeah, it. everybody loves to. Everybody loves singing along to Judas. Oh, guess what? Next week in AEW, Chris Jericho's back to interview this guy, and you make you make it a big yeah, deal. I think I think he's going to become like just like you know. He'll be the commissioner. He'll be the commissioner. He'll be the maitre d' or like the grand, the grandmaster of AEW. You know, what I mean, he'll come, out, he'll come out to like put fucking somebody in their place if he has to. You know, I think that's coming one way or another. But yeah, yeah. he'll he'll be the manager. I uh, you can or even these... a commentator. He's he's outstanding. And I will say, I will say too, that match against Nick Cardona, like it was the best, but it was also fucking awesome. He did a great job in that. Nick Gage, you mean Jericho? Wait, who you, I said, said, you, said Cardona? Nick, I'm you said Nick Cardona. I was looking at Nick Cardona. Wow. Listen, okay. there's only All one right. death match king, and it's Matt that's, Cardona. That's the end that of the episode. Right. No, I, that's I was right. wearing a Sweeney shirt. But yeah, no, him against Nick Gage. It was, uh, it, it was, it was great. You know, it's good to see him, like, you know, give a foray into it. But yeah, we'll see what happens. I think, I think MJF is actually going to win. But I, uh, the problem is that they put the too many stipulations on the MJF match. Like, is Cody really not going to battle for the heavyweight title anymore? You know, I don't, it's Jericho's match, so it's not fully MJF's fault. It's his fault, but it's not fully his fault. But I right. agree. Yeah, there. Um, you could put me solidly in the I didn't give a shit about the labors of Jericho camp. I they didn't really do anything for me, mainly because, like I said, I don't get that much from seeing Jericho at this point, and feel like I would have rather somebody younger get that rub. But I'm not going to sit here and be a full commercial and be like, oh, it's fucking stupid. Then Nick Gage came out and Jericho had a match with moving to like, I'm not, I'm not going to be an asshole. I just, uh, it didn't do it for me, but I, I do agree with Chris that like there is, I mean, who, who said that quote? I don't know if it was like Sean Ross Sapp or somebody else that was like, it's the 99% chance that something's going to happen. That 1% that it might not is what makes it magic. The idea that we're at like, we're oh yeah, of course, MJF's going to win, but like he might not. I don't know what that would do yeah. for MJF if he doesn't win, but it at least makes the match a little more intriguing. Um, but then the rest of the card gets, I don't know. 
this is a card that I think when you look at it, it's a little predictable, but there are some matches that you're not sure. So like Miro and Eddie Kingston, the smart money is like Miro is going to fucking dominate. Eddie's going to have like a good, you know, uh, fighting spirit standoff, but Miro is going to kick his ass. But it's Eddie Kingston. You, I could see him. Wouldn't it be a little bit of poetry? He comes out and the first match he ever has in AEW is for the TNT championship against Cody and his, now he's on a pay-per-view for that championship and wins it as a face. Could happen. See, this is one match I was like, all right. I'm like, what's going to go with Eddie Kingston? And then they announced this last week on Dynamite. And I was like, I'm surprisingly kind of excited for this because this is going to be your, you know, you being a New Japan fan, this yep. is going to be a old school, hard hitting, strong style type match. Yes. Eddie Kingston's a big fan of like the all Japans. He had a great run in Chikara as their grand champion back in the day. Um, so he can put up a fight. And what better yes. guy to put up who a guy is just built like a brick shit house in Miro. Yeah, no. Uh, and that's what makes it interesting is like, and Miro, you know, I, I was not as worried when he first came out, you know, and he was doing the whole, like, I'm a Twitch streamer guy. Like, I, I, I don't think, I, I don't know. I was a little surprised that people were like, wow, that's really what, what they're going to have him do. Like, obviously he's not going to do that forever. And yeah. Well, I think it's because they expected him to have his current iteration of the character right now, which he's like, absolutely excelling at because you know he was kind of listen when when people make that we i don't need a fucking immediate rise to the top when you debut on a new show yes i agree it was just like i don't know it was just like man you could have just been doing this in wwe no so i think that was the problem with it i think the match is gonna fucking absolutely slap just because like uh miro's establishing like you know this omnipresent spirit around him as like you know god's favorite champion uh -huh. and eddie, eddie kingston just comes up and he's like i don't give a shit about god all right i will fucking beat the shit out of you and even if like even if kingston cheats to win like i'm really fine with that you know what i mean against somebody like miro you don't care and and uh eddie's absolutely over with the crowd he always knows how to work and miro's gimmick is 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 a little bit of gimmick that does not require a title it's working with the title because he's god's favorite champion but this is, I actually think, something that's a little bit fresh. You see big dominant heels all over the place, but the way that he's presenting himself, this, like, about face and character, the idea that he was just putting it on and now this is the real him and he's just this holy, reverent person who's, like, doing, you know, trial by fire and confession by fire. It's something that is a little bit fresh. And I don't think he needs to have the championship to continue it because once he loses it, you expect him to be more unhinged than he already is. So I, this is a match that I think it's smart to think Miro will win, but I don't know. And either way, I think this will be a good match. They don't need that long to make it a good match either. Then you have one of the matches that I, I think I actually am not sure about. And that's the steel cage match between the Young Bucks and the Lucha Brothers. Now, the Lucha Brothers and the Young Bucks help jumpstart the tag division in AEW. They had that series of three matches in the very beginning that were all fucking awesome. All of those matches were wild. Were they spot fests? Yes, they were. They are Bucks matches, but they were wild. I don't, I would think almost that it would be a, a tragedy if the Lucha Brothers did not win because they fucking deserve it. Um, but is this the place where the Bucks end their run is the real question. 
I don't know. I feel like the Lucha Brothers should go over here too because I feel like we kind of have to see the fall of the Super Elite. Mm-hmm. And it has to happen sooner than later before it gets very stagnant. Yes. Um, so the, the, the gimmick match, the steel cage match is perfect because you know you'll have Gals and Anderson try to run out. And then maybe, you know, Kazarian's always on the back of the Super Elite. So maybe he'll play into a factor. And then you'll just have Bedlam outside the ring and inside the ring. And then maybe to end the match, you get Ray Phoenix jumping off the top of the cage. So you get that, you know, that wow shock factor. Holy shit, this is awesome, champ. I, I agree. And like, yeah. both of them have been just so good um, throughout, I mean, their whole careers. But like, you got to put a strap on Phoenix sooner rather than later. Like you, you yeah. gotta utilize him now. And Penta has been doing great work. Like they're, they're deserving of it. And like you said, like, so obviously sure. The reason we're not getting hangman in this position, he had a kid, it's a little bit out of control. Right. But you have to think that like, assuming he comes back, this can't go much longer than like full gear. Right. Otherwise we're really getting into like, what is what is this what's happening here so i agree that like you got to start seeing the dominoes fall and gallows and anderson lost the titles then they win it back this i think this is the place where you have the bucks lose you start getting the cracks in and eventually it it builds the hangman's moment but i don't know well especially since uh you know you had phoenix out in the last year, then he had Penta out. So they really need, they kind of need like a, a reboot to their characters, especially, I think they're very important to AEW. Yes. And they're just absolutely beasts in the ring. And, you know, Chris put it best that we have to like put the belts on them now to just reestablish them. And this is a perfect time. I think, you know, we don't need another retain from the Young Bucks. Like also, like there's nothing left to write in the Young Bucks, Young Bucks book. In, at this point in their careers. The young books. The young books. I, you know, I'm not saying they're going to retire, but I mean, like. Yeah, I'm, I'm not you know, saying. I don't, need, like, I don't need a further reign from them. I, I agree. I'm not saying, like, you don't ever let them win a belts ever again and make them retire. Yeah, I'm not saying that at all. But I agree. Like, this is time to capitalize on the Lucha Bros, especially because sooner rather than later, you're going to want to put Phoenix in the singles division and you're going to yeah. want to really let him put on fucking bangers. And while. Lucha Brothers matches do have a lot of high spots because that's Phoenix's thing. I think you need to start seeing some different flavor in the tag team division. And I think it's time for the Bucks style to take a backseat for a little bit. And their tag team division is maybe one of the deeper divisions out of all of AEW. Because mm-hmm. not only have Jurassic Express super over, uh, one tag team we haven't seen in a while um, because half their partners are injured, Butcher and the Blade. I think they're a phenomenal tag team. Very I th- good. I think that I think I think the blade is the best physique in all of AEW because he's just so jacked. But like, there's another tag team. Who else do we have in the Varsity Blondes? Two very up and coming tag team. They have other players, and with the Buck with the Bucks as the tag team champions, I you know, you never see any of these lower teams kind of getting a shot at them. I agree, and 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 I don't want to like pretend that I know the Jacksons. I don't want to sit here and be like, oh, it's because they don't want to put anybody over. I don't think that'd be fair to them. But like you said, with the Bucks as champions, you're like, I don't really think it's going to be any of them right now. Yeah. Um, and not to mention the Dark Order has two of the strongest tag teams in AEW in both Silver and Reynolds and Stu Grayson and Uno. So yep. 
Yeah, it's and and more importantly, I think that AEW needs to start letting their titles bounce around a little bit more often, right? I understand not doing that with your main belt. I get that. That's fine. The other belt, you got to start making some smaller reigns. Not everybody needs a 200 plus day reign. I know the pandemic puts some issues with that, but putting the straps on the Lucha Bros now means they could lose it at full gear. That's fine. Let them have a couple defenses and, and start building your the rest of your talent. I, I agree. So let's hope that that's what we get, but it'll be a great match either way. Then you get Dr. Britt Baker, DMD uh, versus Chris Statlander. Now, again, does anybody think Statlander is going to win here? No, they love Britt Baker. But I love Statlander getting uh, at the top of the card. Um, she is definitely one of the best women that, that, in that division. She's young. She's going to be there for a while. This match should be good, I think. Yeah, and she was at the forefront of the women's division before she got hurt. Yep. As well. So it's, it's good that she's back where, you know, she, I want to say she belongs. Cause I think I, and I said it, I feel like I said like two years ago, characters, you're going to start seeing, like I said, to that late 2019, more character wrestling. You yeah. know, you got Chris Taylor is a freaking alien, you know, orange Cassidy doesn't give a, you know, give a shit. You have a, a Tyrannosaurus running around AEW. And I, I, that's what makes wrestling fun to me is characters. Everybody doesn't have to wear a, a, a pair of black trunks and some kickers and, you know, go out there and do strong style stuff. Athletes, pal. Sorry, yeah, we build athletes, pal. Which is funny uh, because he was all about character wrestling, all occupation wrestling back in the early '90s, and now it's just, it's just. I was IRS for Halloween when I was in second grade. <laughs> nice. It was awesome. Um, then you get Kenny Omega versus Christian Cage for the AEW World Championship. Now I am thankful they did not make this a belt versus belt match um, because I impact. We're, none of us are TV ratings uh, experts here, right? But impact. And, and before I cut you off, and if you're a wrestling fan, you should not be caring about the ratings. Yeah, you don't have yeah. any stake in it, unless my friend, unless my friend Dave is listening, he's staking WWE. But that's a different story. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Like you can be happy when they do well and be sad when they're not, but no one should have stakes in it. But for whatever it's worth, their ratings haven't really been great since their partnership started with Impact uh, with AEW. I think that has less to do with. Um, quality not being good or storylines not being good and more to do with just the fact that like they're on access and they're on twitch and it's just well they're not on twitch anymore that's how i was watching it and they cut it off i'm like i can't watch impact anymore because i'm one of those cable cutters i pay for impact plus because i feel like they have a good product right now and i want to support a little bit but yeah like what a back catalog yeah great yeah i'm just like it's to be able to just casually go back in that 2005 to 2009 era and just watch some of these incredible matches has been a real treat but point being i believe that christian is a is a better champion for impact than kenny was mainly because a obviously his history with the with the championship itself and with the company but also you know that christian is going to i mean not to say that kenny didn't put over younger talent but uh it was part of a storyline. Christian having the title is not part of a, a larger storyline. And so, you know, at some point an impact guy is going to get it. So I'm glad that this is not a belt versus belt match. Now their match at rampage. I don't want to say it was shockingly good, but it was a little bit shockingly good. I mean, Kenny Omega is one of the best in the world. So is Christian, but still uh, to see Kenny at this iteration of his career and 47 year old Christian have a fucking tear down 15 minute match. Uh, and have Christian go over was great. The result is obviously not in question. Christian will not be winning the AEW World Championship. But 
do we think it'll be a better match than Rampage is the real question. I don't know because I think it just what, the allure of that match is that people forgot about how good Christian is and Christian in his own right is probably just as good. I'm not saying he's, he's edges legendary, but I mean, like if Christian got the proper run that he deserves on WWE television, he'd be in a title match right now against Bobby Lashley. Yeah. Christian's arguably a better worker. I think that really added to it. This match could definitely slap as hard as that rampage match did. Absolutely. I, I I think it's going to be a great match. Yeah, looking forward to it. I'm I'm just stoked in 2021 we get to see Christian wrestle every exactly. single week. Yep. Exactly. And, and he's in great shape. It's not like, you know, he came back. He's like, I'm just going to wrestle. Here's my beer gut. No, he came back, looking the part, ready to go. Let's just be grateful that the year in our Lord 2021, we get to watch Kenny Omega versus Christian and Seth Rollins versus Edge. Uh, imagine fucking telling somebody that four years ago. Nope. Yeah, Christian and Edge are going to come back. They're going to be in separate companies. Christian's going to go face Kenny Omega and Edge is going to face Seth Rollins. Like, it, we're just lucky to have them and they're both putting on such great work. I, I agree. And then, of course, the match that we're all really here to see CM Punk versus Darby Allen. Now, uh, Darby being at the top of the card right now is definitely a little bit suspect in question because of the allegations that have been with him since before AEW started. They are not great. Um, I won't bore people with the politics. More importantly, I don't want to take somebody's statement of abuse and, and uh, bungle it. But be that as it may, right? The match in front of us is a very intriguing one. Darby is one of the hottest stars in AEW right now, arguably their biggest young draw. And he is going up against CM Punk, who for my money looked absolutely incredible uh, upon coming in. Sure, we don't know what he looks like in his ring attire, but like, I think he looks as good, if not even a little bit better than when he left WWE. Yeah, because when he left WWE, he was sick as a dog. He's yep. a mess, you know, dude. <laughs> and he he was a hot mess. Um, and now we get to see it, but he looks happy. He looks mm-hmm. healthy. He looks like he's having a great time. Yep. He's buying millions of dollars of ice cream bars. Yep. <laughs> uh, and I'm for it. You know, like when it was, as, as they call it, it was the worst kept secret in professional wrestling. But like, I was like, all right, CM Punk's going to come out. This is going to be cool. And then when CM Punk came out, I'm like, yeah, I, I wanted to quote uh, quote orange right there. I'm like, this is real. <laughs> it's great too, because like they, they didn't say his name once. It was just all the fans like, this is going to happen. Like, and they're like, all right, well, maybe we just, you know, we're just doing this show in Chicago. We'll see what happens. Like that. And Damien, you know. and Damien said, said, I wrote it. I just wrote it down my little piece of paper here. There's 99%, there's 99% of you that believe something's going to happen. And there's that 1% that's not going to happen. So there's that 1% I'm like CM Punk's not going to come out. I think it comes out. I'm like, you know, you, you, you just start convulsing on the floor. And yeah. Then, it, and 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 you have to give i know everybody and their mom has talked about it but forget how poorly kept of a secret it was the moment they let the moment breathe for as long as it deserved to breathe and the beauty uh you know i some people were like oh you're gonna have it on fucking rampage like what is even the point of that but like the point of that is you want to make it clear that this is not just some throwaway show you make it yeah. clear that like 
this is something you want to watch because you don't know what's going to happen and crazy shit's going to happen. And more importantly, if CM Punk wants to fucking show up somewhere, you fucking go let him show up somewhere. Do you, you're watching at 10 o'clock, right? Yeah. And we don't care about the ratings, but they got fucking over a million people to tune in after at 10 p.m. At 10 p.m. People give a shit. They go to the CM Punk chants and they ju- it's just no commentary. They just let that go. They pan across the crowd and then the static and they let him get just 15 minutes before he even picked up a microphone. It's exactly what they needed to do. And if it showed anything at all, it's that CM Punk, what was the, what was the phrase that we all have been loving using as of the last few weeks? He's moving the needle. Absolutely. And I think Tommy Dreamer said it to best on Busted Open last week after they, they were talking about it. You know, we never got like, like with Edge. Okay, Edge, I'm retiring. I broke my neck. Goodbye. All right, goodbye. Edge, see you later. Um, the Undertaker. <laughs> hey, you know, I got, you got the last ride. <laughs> the Undertaker, the last ride. You know, he had five great last rides. <laughs> five last rides, the documentary series. You know, he had that great match. We never got that from CM Punk. So okay. that's why everybody has, he, he went, he left on top. Didn't talk about wrestling. You know, he said his piece on the art of wrestling. You know, he said everything he wanted to say in the art of wrestling. Didn't talk about wrestling again. Then he comes back and it's like, okay, we're finally going to... This guy that we have all loved for seven years, that we have been chanting for for seven years, he's back. We can finally appreciate him being there again. And that's what everybody's been missing. So, like... And and, and then there's the the 0.5% of people like, yeah, CM Punk's back, whatever. They're just doing their WCW now. Fuck him. <laughs> Imagine, like, listen. Yeah, really. I like. I there's no hope for you if you are that type of fan. Can you imagine thinking that if because AEW picked up Andrade, CM Punk, just keep it to people that have been confirmed. You think they're WCW because they picked up Andrade, CM Punk, Miro, and like Ruby Soho that and Christian. That makes them WC. I'm sorry. Is there a wrestling company in the world that shouldn't want to throw all of the fucking money at those people? Does it make your homegrown talent suffer? Yes, of course it does. Unless you do it properly. When they brought Sting back, look at the role that Sting has had. Sure, you. Oh, but he 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 popped up after a table spot against 2.0, or oh yeah, Scorpio's guy hit him and he got back up. But like that's fine. They are using these people properly. Miro deserves a reign like this. Andrade deserves to be at a spot like this. CM fucking Punk deserves to be at a spot like this. And if you think that makes them 1999 era WCW, then like Grimes, I don't know what to fucking tell you. I got nothing for you then. People already saying that are already have the writing on the wall for AEW and they just want that trajectory for them that they're going to become too big. They're going to become too big and they're going to fail and they're going to fold and Vince is going to win, but that's not happening anytime soon. If it does. And uh, CM Punk's case was unique. You know, like Sweeney said, we had, we had a discernible goodbye to edge. We had a discernible, what we supposed thought was a goodbye to Daniel Bryan, but you know, CM Punk just left. And the last seven years, like was just, crawling through a desert trying to figure out what what is he going to do and trying to rewrite his return to wwe and then it got to the point a couple years ago you were just like dudes transcended past wwe like it just may not happen there's no business appropriate 
enough for him to come back to. And, you know, it was the relief of finally seeing this guy again to hear grown men in the industry be humbled by this return. This is one of the greatest returns in wrestling history. Yes. And I'm not, I'm not sounding like, you know, a young gun trying to say this and hype up an era of wrestling. Like this was the greatest return in wrestling history. And, and last weekend too, you know, I know we're not going to really touch SummerSlam, but you got Brock Lesnar returning and you got Becky Lynch returning. And everyone's like, oh, Brock Lesnar and Becky Lynch's returns were, bet- were, were bigger pops. They were in 50,000 yeah, seat that's arenas. True. There was more like dead. It was a, a long haul of a pop when it, it, the road warrior pop, as they say, mm-hmm. you know, whenever we were seeing pop because that it didn't stop. Yeah. Brock Lesnar got, oh my God, Brock Lesnar's back. Becky Lynch, oh my God, Becky Lynch is back. CM Punk came back. CM Punk is back. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you saw that in the crowd. You saw grown men crying, you know. What, it, what else is the point of watching something, you know? For people that are like, oh, who should fucking care? Like, let people enjoy things. Let people enjoy the things that they enjoy. And, and like Ryan said, like, I don't think it is superb. Like when you look at the long history of wrestling returns and all that stuff, there are not that many that can rival CM Punk coming back after seven years to Chicago in a brand new wrestling company. It, it is really something that is frankly unmatched in lightning in a bottle, lightning, but lightning in a bottle. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's bigger than Sting showing up in WWE it's bigger than Kurt Angle showing up in, well, you can't really say showing up in Impact. He kind of just went there, but like. Kurt Angle coming out with the shield. Big, it's bigger than. The, <laughs> and that's probably your dream of a pay-per-view. <laughs> it's, big, it's bigger than the Hardy Boys coming back to WWE. I think no, the only, pop was bigger because it was in a hundred thousand weirdo. Yeah. Well, Ed, Edge's return wasn't in, in a stadium. That's the only one I can think of. Yeah, the only one where it was like, okay, yeah, that's fucking cool because it was yeah. pretty close to the close to the chest. Yeah. So like that's that's what you can compare it to. Edge coming back is there. You go. There's your fucking com- comparable. <laughs> so uh, as for the match, it doesn't really matter. All you it really care yeah. about is can CM Punk still work? And the reason, you know, if you're wondering why do they put him against the 137-pound skateboarder, it's because he's going to bump his fucking ass off for CM Punk and he can throw him around. That's why. That's why they did that. It doesn't matter who wins this match, honestly, but obviously CM Punk is winning because what what would, what would we be doing otherwise? He's obviously going to win to close out Chicago. And, and then, then book and him then, against Kenta. <laughs> and then book him against Kenta, Exactly. Now, as Chris mentioned, right, as we will transition real quickly to to New Japan, the question on everybody's lips, one of the other worst kept secrets, but a little bit better kept secret in wrestling, is Brian Danielson going to show up in AEW? And if so, when? Now, he just might show up in All Out. He might just show up in New York at Arthur Ashe Stadium. Riddle me this. What if he doesn't show up at either of those two places? Because New Japan's got the Wrestle Grand Slam happening at the MetLife Dome, right? September 4th and September 5th, the same days. And then two weeks after that is the start of the G1. What if maybe, just maybe, 
after Shingo Takage reigns over evil, you hear. And Brian Danielson comes out. Or the final countdown if they can finally secure the Yeah, he's not going to use Flight of the Valkyries. But my point is... I think I think TK will, will, secure, uh, <laughs> will, will secure the final countdown. Don't worry. The big question for Brian Danielson has been, right? The whole reason you heard about WWE talking to New Japan, it was for Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan wants to work Japan before he finishes his career because he's done everything else there is to do. New Japan is bereft of gaijin talent on the New Japan, on the G1 roster. All of their gaijin are basically doing New Japan strong. If you want somebody in that, like a Moxley from last year that or two years ago that really capitalizes, you got a guy that has been staying away from everything for months now. Could you see Brian Danielson in the G1 instead of all out? If situations in the world weren't what they are, I would say, yeah, absolutely. We'll see Brian Danielson in the G1, but I don't think we are. Because I know all the gaijin that are going over there, they need to go through a uh, two-week quarantine period. I know, I I listen to Talk and Shop, and I know Rocky Romero says all the time, he's like, I go over to Japan, I have to sit in a hotel room for two weeks straight before I can even do anything. Mm -hmm. So that's the only reason I don't see Brian Danielson going over there. But what has he been doing that would preclude that from happening? He's got a family, of course. He's got a young That's a major reason, yeah. That's a major reason, but, you know, he doesn't have a newborn he doesn't have i'm not saying that it matters less that your child is not a baby all i'm saying is it's interesting how quiet he's been and how removed from it cm punk was like no now brian danielson is known but not in the same way cm punk was like yeah he's obviously showing up they started hinting at it yeah nothing about brian danielson so smart money is he shows up in AEW, but i'm just i don't know I think you're right, because if he was not going to show up in New York, which was rumored to happen, the first date of G1 is the 18th. So I imagine the quarantine rules are still in effect. If our nimble navigators are listening and they're they're following the fly patterns out of Seattle, Washington to Tokyo, Japan, my man would have to start quarantining this Saturday. So if he doesn't show up on Sunday... It's pro- and if he doesn't show up on the 15th, probably a good chance he'll be at the G1. If he's not already there. If he's not already, know. that's absolutely too. <laughs> like I said, I, I, the state of the world matters. You can't pretend it doesn't. And I'm not a father. Ryan's not a father, but Chris is. And I don't need to be a father to know that like staying away from your kids for not just two weeks, but a month, uh, two months, as long as the G1 takes, that can't be something easy for anybody to swallow. So I'm not going to pretend like that's not a factor. Uh, children sure. do not matter in our fantasy booking. Okay. It not in my fantasy book. No, <laughs> fuck, your, fuck your children. But <laughs> in realist, in realistic terms, more than likely Brian Jamison will show up in AEW sooner rather than later. And we'll get to new Japan some other time, but that's what I'd like to see. So We'll get to New Japan now, but overall, looking at all out, like I said, you've got some issues with the fact that you've only really got the one women's match, but you do have the women's battle royale. Got an issue with the fact that it is a very white card, but all of that aside, wrestling perspective strictly, this is a very good looking card. And 
while it's not necessarily the most, uh, you know, unpredictable card, there is a lot to like about this. If you're um, a wrestling fan and you can go in without taking sides over AEW, WWE, and just sit down and enjoy this because you know this is going to be like, it's what's well, going to start at 8 o'clock. It'll probably start, the, the buy-in will start at 7 o'clock and it yep. will go, it'll go to freaking midnight. Yep. If you can sit down, have a couple beers, I plan, I have a projector for my backyard. I'm going to put it on the fence. Excellent. Got the day off the next day. Yeah, Labor Day. I'm going to smoke some cigars, drink some beers, and enjoy wrestling. That's what we're uh, going to do. A hundred percent. That's what we're going to do here. Enjoy wrestling for what it is. Stop with the tribal bullshit because we say this all the time on this podcast. Stop standing for billionaires you don't know. It's fine. Just like what you like. And if you like wrestling, this is something you're going to want to at least put a peeper on. Punk said it last week after Rampage went off the air. He said, if you like this, like like it, retweet it, go tell all your friends. If you don't like it, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Who cares? I'll Unless like you're you. us. Yeah. If you're us, then you hear it. You'll hear all of the problems forever and always until you <laughs> die. And that's how it works. So it, real quick, New Japan, I, I will not do a full rundown, but what I will say is, like I said, Wrestle Grand Slam is coming up September 4th and 5th. That's going to be at the MetLife Dome. Uh, they wanted to run this a while ago, but are finally getting a chance to now. Now, look, uh, if you've been watching New Japan since the pandemic, you know that they have been fucked by um, a lot of restrictions, more than any other wrestling company. And it has really affected the booking at the uh, really at all levels. Um, and you have like no guys in there right now. Regardless, though, these two matches, these two cards have some strong matches on them, and then you're going to have the G1, right? You're going to have the uh, flying, the flying tigers of Tiger Mask and Robbie Eagles against Bushi and Hiromu Takahashi. Hiromu Takahashi just made his return against Dookie at the last Summer Struggle event. Um, you're going to see a special single match between Yo and Sho as the fallout from the destruction of Rapongi 3K when they went winless in the uh, Super Junior Tag League um, continues. And this is going to be their first one-on-one -on -one meeting. Uh, I suspect it will be very good. You're going to get the provisional KOPW 2021 title match in a no disqualification I quit match where the holder Chase Owens will go against the challenger and favorite wrestler of this podcast and best wrestler in the world, Master Thief Torianu. Uh, long may he reign. You're going to get a special single match between Kazuchika Okada and Jeff Cobb, um, which you just, you love to see those two go at it. Always happy for some Okada. And the main event of the fourth will be the Galactic Ace Hiroshi Tanahashi taking on his friend Kode Ibushi, uh, who, this is kind of the first time you've really seen Ibushi in a singles match since he lost to Will Ospreay. Um, this will be for the IWGP US Heavyweight Championship match. Um, the matches you want to catch here, you'll want to catch Tanahashi versus Ibushi and you want to catch uh, Yo versus Show. But this is a this is a solid looking card. Tana has been on, a, you can't say the run of his life because he's one of the best, if not the best ever. But to see the man doing this on no working knees and just continuing to pull out bangers, you just fucking love to see it. Um, thoughts on that before I get to the other night? No, I think New, New Japan is always, once they a bunch of their talent left, they always did a great job of 
bringing in, you know, all all the the young boys, bringing them up and bringing them to the start. You're going to see that with Yoan Show. Um, Toriano's always a pleasure. Love him. To, to watch. Our king. Our, that's it. And he, you know, he had a, a great run in the, well, I think he was in the Global Tag League a couple years ago with Cabana. Yes, and, yes. Yeah, and they had they had a fun stick and they had a great, great, uh, great, great thing. So, you know, always, always fun to watch a little bit of New Japan. Yeah, always. And, and the second night promises to be, um, I think, stronger overall. Uh, also interesting is both of these, um, both of these nights are going to feature stardom special matches uh, now that stardom is owned by Bushiroad, but they will finally be shown on New Japan World and with commentary, both in English and Japanese. Uh, usually stardom matches that would happen, you know, maybe say before Wrestle Kingdom, they wouldn't be televised. Stardom from all reports has been doing really great work and this will be a chance for you to get some eyes on the Toshis of tomorrow and today. So that should be is, a lot is, of fun. Is Maki Aido on uh, any of those? Everyone's new favorite deathmatch wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> you saw um, you saw that that clip, right? She was uh, in a deathmatch. They had yeah, they, they, her and the other girl had exploding baseball bats. Took swings and boom, whole thing explodes. It was outstanding. Oh, I love that. Um, who do they have right now? I don't know who's going to be on it, but like I said, I, I've they actually had one of the highest rated uh, matches on Cage Match for this entire year. It's really? Like this, it's I think it's the second highest. Um, I'll find it here for a second. Uh, I think it's going to be under. What do they rank that? They rank that under matches. I think match got top lists. There we go. Uh, where are you? Where are you? <laughs> I can, I'll, I'll keep looking for it. Whatever. Point being, it's um, it's it's good stuff, and and that'll be cool. But. This card is going to be a lot of fun. So you're going to have a special tag match. You're going to have the United Empire of Great Okan and Jeff Cobb taking on Tomohiro Ishii and Kazuchika Okada. Um, this is just going to be a whole lot of meat slapping. And uh, anytime you get to see Ishii work, it's a treat. Uh, we love Great Okan on this podcast. He is a star in the making. So uh, this is probably United Empire going over on Chaos. Then you're going to see the Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championship match between the winners of the Super Junior Tag League, Yoshinobu Kanemaru and El Desperado of Suzuki-kun, taking on the current champions, El Fantasmo and Taiji Ishimori, the cutest tag team in Bullet Club. Um, the, junior the junior tag division has been decimated, which is kind of why it was shocking that Rapongi 3K um, wow. blew up. While you love to see Kanemaru and Despi getting belts, uh, El Fantasmo has said that he wants to take the belts global, and I kind of feel like maybe that's the move right now because their juniors division is so hurt. Maybe you take the belts across seas for a little bit and you put it out on impact and maybe you get it on AEW and maybe that's the move for right now. So absolutely. Cause you have guys like Finn juice who, who've done an impact wrestling. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you bring in some X division guys to, to work them. And I know impact has a, has a great relationship with new Japan. Yeah. And, and El Fantasma was featured earlier this year. Yes, great match with VSK. It was, and, and it would be very easy for you to work in people, you know, for AEW, very easy to work in people like Private Party. You have a lot of, of yes. wrestlers there that could very easily be juniors. Silver and Reynolds uh, impact as well. So I think that that would probably be the smart move. Then you're going to have 
the heavyweight tag team championship. This is a three-way match. It's going to be between the champions, ZSJ and Tai Chi, Dangerous Techers, taking on Los, Los Ingobernables de Japón, Sanada and Tetsuya Naito, versus the two-thirds of the never openweight six-man championships, Yoshihashi and Haruki Goto. Um, I love Dangerous Techers. I want them to win everything forever and always. Uh, but triple threat tag matches can sometimes be a little wonky, but there's a lot of good stuff happening here. And Yoshihashi is on the run of his life. Uh, so this should be, I think this will be fun. And then what is the true main event? The IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. Robbie Eagles in his first defense taking on Hiromu Takahashi. I really hope Robbie Eagles wins. I do not want Hiromu to immediately get the belt back. I want them to start building up other juniors, but this match is going to be fucking awesome. Yeah, great. Uh, New Japan always has has a lineage of having great junior and I don't junior heavyweight champions, but I don't think you can't do like the the transitional champion here. You got to yeah, you got to let him have one underneath his belt. And nothing better to solidify Robbie Eagles as a true player in the division than to beat Hiromu Takahashi, regardless of him coming off of injury or not. As much as I love me, my junior ace. Well, plus I want Takahashi to start ascending up. So if he if this gets him out of that scene for a little bit and have him ascend, especially, I want that, man. No, I agree. Especially considering they're probably going to need to put some juniors in the G1, and this is probably Hiromu's time to do that, even if he doesn't necessarily become a heavyweight. And then the main event, uh, Shingo Takage, our strong champion, taking on evil for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. Uh, it is unfortunate that I feel this bored by evil, but they got to stop with the fucking Dick Togo Bullet Club shenanigans. Oh God, they yeah. got it. Just let Shingo and evil be big men beating each other up, and this match will be awesome. Uh, anyway, it's a, it'll be a fun card. Uh, they still can't make noise, which definitely sucks, but should be fun cards. And then you're going to get the G1 starting September 18th. Um, it, you know, like I said, depleted roster, but they could have people in the fucking audience be in the G1 and like just Togi Makabe and it'd be great. So Bunch of plants, that's it. That's what I'm talking about. So imagine having that rule in American, like. <laughs> You guys can't cheer at a wrestling show. It's like, yeah, okay. You're taking away my civil liberties. <laughs> my liberties. <laughs> my liberties uh, to cheer Dick Togo. You're taking away from me, brother. <laughs> that <was> America. <laughs> will we see Osprey? No, you will not. Will Osprey said definitively he is not going to be in the G1. What he is going to no, be I meant doing, at, this, at this show. At which show? The, the Grand Slam. Probably not. He's in America and he's booked for some stuff in America around the same time. So he's not going to be anywhere near there. Neither is Jay White. Uh, neither are Fenjuice. Neither are uh, a lot of their other top gaijin. So no, you will probably not see Osprey at this event. So that's why if you really want to make some moves, I think Brian Danderson makes sense. But like we said, we'll, we'll just have to see what happens. Either way, G1 season is best season. And uh, I was like waking up and be like, oh my God, what's going on here? Exactly. Oh, Oh, it's the best, dude. I There's love nothing. Sometimes if I wake up like on a weekend or something, I'll be like, what time is it? 3 a.m. G1's happening. Let's go. What's that? I love it. So it's the best season, best time of the year, but we'll, we'll do a proper G1 rundown uh, maybe next week before it starts when they have the rosters announced. So anyway, 
those are the two things that are worth talking about here in the wide world of wrestling. Uh, frankly, I do not think WWE warrants me talking about it at the moment because I don't know what the fuck is going on over there. Uh, but, very uh, fucky. NXT's weird. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. NXT's new logo is cool, but if somebody pointed it out on Twitter. Like, it's not even. Like you know, with with the logo like that, like the X should be the middle of it. The X is just slightly off. He goes, and graphic designers will flip their lids. There's no kerning, damn it! Where is the kerning? This is shitty (laughs) kerning. Well, let let me. All right, WWE aside is a fucking complete mess. But let me ask you this: Did NXT kind of need of a small reboot of going back to where it was with our evolution? You know that that four-way between uh, Neville, Pac, uh, Tyler Breeze, Sami Zayn, and uh, TJ Wilson. Like, do they need to start doing, like, that type of scene again in NXT instead of just the cohorts and the indie scene and not really establishing themselves? Then when they get up to the main roster, they're just bound for disappointment because you know this guy, this legendary guy that, trailblaze through the indie scene and now he's kind of just doing the thing in wwe do you think they really needed kind of a small reboot i don't think so but again you know i said it earlier we have this emotional investment with a lot of guys Mm -hmm. so that's why like the indie days of nxt were so awesome because we grew you know we kind of you know grew with all of these guys that came into NXT and everything like that. Like when they brought up Di- Donovan J- 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 Dominic Dijakovic and made him, you know, T-Bar, T-bar. or spare, t- or spare Tire, or whatever his name is. Um, you know, it's like, oh, they ruined him, this, that, and the other thing. We have that emotional investment with him. Yeah. You know, especially he put, you know, he put on bangers of matches with Keith Lee, I believe, in NXT. But like, yes. Yes. Um, but you know what? Let, let's Let's see how it goes. I mean, I like the the I kind of like the rebrand of it. Besides the, the logo not being even, um, but that's just me being particular. Um, we'll see how it goes. They still have a stacked roster in there. They do. Yeah. They still have still have one of the best women's division in there. Let alone, you know, they have somebody like Frankie Monet, Ty Valkyrie, who could just lead the NXT women's division because of how fantastic of a performer she is. Mm-hmm. Like, I think maybe that was one of the best signings that NXT's done in the past year was her. Because you you could just bring her immediately into TV, let her do her thing. You want to change her name because you want to keep it for marketing purposes? Fine. But she can go on the microphone, in the ring. Um, but again, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I think this is what they're really looking for, too. They want, God, like they want people just to immediately get it and understand what they're looking for. Um, you know, I, they don't care if you could do five flips in the ring. I think Ricochet is a... Great example. Not shitting on Ricochet. I'm just saying his style, if he were to try out today, probably wouldn't fly over. Um, There's a reason that Will Ospreay, who worked the exact same style, decided to try and make himself yeah. have a character that wasn't just, I do good flippy things. Yeah, it's, it's a fair point. But, you know, the other thing about it is, and we're, we're talking strictly on speculations. Like Chris said, like wrestling news. Fucking snow. With a Z. <laughs> with a Z, you know. <laughs> Uh, we don't actually know anything about what goes on in these meetings, what Vince is actually thinking. So we don't, we don't know squat about Dick and that's fine, but we Twitter know sure that, does. Twitter sure does, but we know <laughs> that there's going to be big changes and there's probably bro, been enough. It's noise. all work, bro. 
Tony Khan and Vince are working together. <laughs> Vince Russo had like showed up in the news for something the other day. Where he no, had- he showed up today because he was giving his endorsement for uh, Cardona. He's like, bro, oh, I'm telling you, I support the GCW champion, bro. All you okay. fat marks out there, bro. <laughs> <laughs> what we do know is uh, while NXT having a rebrand is fine, what that rebrand makes it into is what is going to matter more. Uh, if they want to use it as developmental again, fine. All power to you. That's fine. They have a great roster there. But it remains to be seen. Like if they do actually do what the reports are and they actually end up doing like, we don't really want most indie wrestlers. We want people that have little to no experience with this. So we can mold them in our style. I get it, but that is going to be extremely fucking boring. And uh, it would feel like a really big over response to like AEW. but uh, yeah, sure. We'll take the, We'll take the let's see what happens route, but uh, we get burned when we do that a lot with WWE, so it's hard to give them the benefit. Right. It would be funny if this is just like a producer's thing to Vince for him to destroy NXT and like, (laughs) we'll make our product unfucking watchable. (laughs) Springtime Hitler for NXT, but uh, yeah, it would just be funny if two years down the road, like, you know, despite them doing this, like they get over and we all love the characters that created, and all of a sudden they're just like, no, you know what? (laughs) Shut it down. Shut it down. We're making movies now. We're making movies now. Bring back the Miz. (laughs) Marine 18. Uh, So, yeah, whatever. That's that's all that. This is going to be an exciting weekend for wrestling, whether you're into Japan or you're into America, whatever. We got good, good stuff happening all around. And as it feels like the refrain that we say every time, but boy, it is just exciting to be a wrestling fan right now. And we get Effie's Big Gay Brunch this weekend, too. Come on. Yes, we do. And... We have a doubleheader for IWTV. Uh, this is happening later, so it's not happening this weekend. But they announced that uh, Daniel Garcia is going to be taking on Minoru Suzuki in oh, California. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. And Daniel Garcia, for anyone that hasn't caught him on some of the more recent AEW stuff, he's a really great submission technical wrestler. And nobody loves beating up on small technical wrestlers more than Minoru Suzuki. So, just happy to have Suzuki in the States. Yeah. And Daniel Garcia is riding, uh, you know, riding a wave right now, yes, too. Is. Especially he's had his run on AEW. He's had his run with Limitless, Beyond. Um, you know, he's one of those guys. I don't know if you remember a couple of years back, there was that whole car of Buffalo-based wrestlers that got into a big car accident. He was one of those guys. Broke a leg. I broke his leg. Really? Yeah. yeah. It was him, Kevin Blackwood, Puff. Uh, Puff and it was the fourth one. Damn it. I, I'm sorry. Uh, I'll remember it later. But yeah, got to a, coming back from a, a show in Canada, hit some black ice, swerved all over the road, crashed the car. Yeah. That's scary shit. So you, you always love a good comeback story. So you, yeah. And, and he, he's a very good worker. And uh, like I said, I could watch Minoru Suzuki beat uh- people up all day. A good comeback story to watch him die in the ring against Minoru Suzuki. Yeah, there you go. A comeback story and then an end of that story. So uh, as we begin to wrap up here, Ryan, do you have a legend killer for us? I assume that whatever you do, Chris will get instantly. So send it to both of us. But uh, Chris, if you know it, give me my mm-hmm. my time in the sun here. Okay. Just let me pull it up, boys. Uh, okay. Of course, the gimmick here is that I am face blind and don't know shit from anything. So um, Ryan is probably going to send me a picture of 
the rock in the nation and i like or that that cop that looks exactly like the rock yeah yeah did did you guys see that at first i saw a picture of him like just like the front of his face i was like oh yeah it kind of looks like him and then he went to the side and then like he did the rock smirk and the fucking two wrinkles and rocks (laughs) match up to him all right here we go so i said i sent it to damien and i'm gonna send it to you chris all right just don't send me like the direct link so it says like you know <laughs> bill dash goldbergs dash 1994 <laughs> okay send a photo Let's all see. right you guys should both have it right now i don't have it yet you don't have oh, it yet there we go okay okay so immediately chris do you know who this is no no wow awesome. okay there you go if he doesn't know then i am Oh, this is a good one, man. I found this I, last week at like three in the morning and I was like, yes, my girlfriend's like, what the fuck are you cheering at? I'm like, nothing, nothing. Dear. Oh, okay. So let's, let's start with the easy questions, right? right. Uh, what era are we looking at here? Obviously this is a somewhat recent picture. Yes. No. Well, like, is this like a, from the eighties picture? Or is this like within the last 20 years is kind of late eighties, early nineties, late eighties, early nineties. Okay. Honestly, my first immediate thought was carrying cross. So that's that's what I thought too. Right? Okay, cool. So there's a wavelength. All right. All right. So Ryan, give us give us one small hint. Hmm, he's thinking. Thinking real hard here. Because I can think of a small because there's one small hint I gave to Damien. Hmm. I really want to say one thing. Okay. Uh he went by Vinny at one time. I know it. That's not gonna help me. What's I know it. He's been through all walks. Is it Paul White? No. I know this. He has been through all walks of wrestling in his day. All walks is in like many promotions or like every style? Every big promotion. Every big promotion. Was he a main player? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So this is a picture from the the late 80s, early 90s. So he got big in like the mid 90s. Mm -hmm. Okay. He got big in WCW? No. No. Yes, I mean, he was, but did he, yes. did he get a start there? No. Well, did yes, it? he did. All right. Yes, so he, he did. Got, he got big at WWF first, then at WCW. No, it was WCW first, then WWF. It was WCW, then WWF. Okay. Well, that's good. <laughs> he was big at both promotions. Let's put it that way. Does this like, so obviously this doesn't look like him at all. No. I mean, if you focus in on the face, maybe. I can give you one last clue. Okay. He's been known to book. He's been known to book. Yes. I don't remember who the fucking bookers were. Uh, all right, whatever. I'll throw a couple of random ones out there and then, and then we'll let Chris reveal. Give me three. Give me three. Three. Guesses. Well, I mean, it, it kind of looks like Kevin Nash. Boom. Yeah, you got it. Oh, it's Kevin Nash. It. Yeah. Kevin Nash. Vinny Vegas. Come on. I thought there was no way it could be Kevin Nash because we haven't really done repeats before. This picture was too good not to repeat. Just because I never seen somebody's first character not look like them. You know what I mean? I thought it was a member of the Dungeon of Doom. So like, is it? Is it? Who? Mike? Is it? Barbie? No, Mike. And then, and then I'm like, you said Vinny. I'm like, it's. I'm like, it's Nash because you see the the panther tattoo on the arm. Um, I, I honestly, Nash. My first initial guesses was was like. Karrion Cross, Big Show, and Kevin yes. Nash, but I had like I was like, no, it's not Kevin Nash. We already did Kevin Nash. Cool. That's I mean, 
I needed uh, I needed like 35 hints in 35 minutes, but whatever, I got it. That's what matters. Hooray. Hooray, Hooray. yay. Um, beautiful. So this is so this is before the Grinch monster character then? Oz. This is before Father Christmas. <laughs> this was uh <laughs> this was his first gimmick, actually. He was just a lad, just a big lad. With a fuzzy mohawk and dirt in his face. That's it. I was trying to figure out if it was a fucking road warrior. I was like, is this some like weird like yeah, third member I, I didn't too. know? This is this like... is when he was uh steel. He was one half of the master blasters. <laughs> the master blasters. Love it. Do you guys um, know who the other master blaster was? Chris probably nah. does. Nope. That's a little bit before my time. Uh actually it's uh not revealed here. Never mind. <laughs> oh, it was Brad uh, Armstrong. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Uh Road Dog's brother. Yes. Well, uh, a successful rundown uh, and a successful legend killer. We are ending on high notes here, gentlemen. So as we wrap up, of course, we want to know, Chris, what are you listening to? Um, I actually, I've been listening nonstop to the new Bronx album. Bronx, Bronx. 6. Hell yeah. Oh, okay. What a banger of an album. It came out, I think, Friday. I listened to that new Turnstile album came out too, which is pretty good. Um, and that's about it, new really. Bronx. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So definitely go check that out. Um, yeah, that's it. Ryan, uh, I wanted to say that I'm listening to the absolute fucking chops of Walter and Ilya Dragunov. Just all yeah, we're echoing, reverberating through our skulls forever. Just to cut track of all the chops and slaps. You'll probably find it somewhere on YouTube. <laughs> probably. <laughs> cha, cha, cha. Just a super cut of fleshy, fleshy wounds. Chris touched on it, but I have been jamming out to the new Turnstile album. Uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I was trying to think of like, where's where? what was the last like transcendent album that I've listened to? And Glow On certainly takes that fucking cake because it's not yeah. like, how can I explain it? John Refusion, and they're not trying to like, you know, be like the unique band that has like other elements. They're trying to like transcend hardcore and bring it into a new generation. Yes, absolutely. It's it's definitely one of the wildest albums I've ever listened to. And uh, I was I was with our good friend Travis yesterday and, you know, I asked him what he thought about Colors, too. And he's like, oh, it's one of my albums of the year. And I'm going to be completely forthright. uh, Colors to the new Between a Buried and Me album. It didn't really strike me any differently than any of their other albums because, and I'm sure that we will get tens of prog fans coming to us after this and being like, you don't understand songwriting, but like. Sounds like Sean, my guitar player. (laughs) Uh, A lot of the time, BT Bam songs just kind of sound like riff salad and they're just like riff oh <laughs> like it, like honestly sometimes it's so spastic i'm like i'm just gonna go listen to i wrestled a bear once at least it's quirky that way you know like oh we're we're quirky we do swing music and look at these weird beat you know it's just but but um the new turnstile felt like genre fusion in a surprisingly organic way right? yes um they're mixing this like dream pop with hardcore blood oranges on it uh they are they just write some of the catchiest fucking shit they truly do um so that's a good one uh and of course ryan just finished his caravan with the dead yes i did 
It was fucking quite the experience. It was good to get out again. Did John Mayer tell any rape jokes? No, Damien. No rape jokes for John Mayer this time? Did that happen? I mean... John Mayer said every bad joke you can think of. You sure? Great yeah, great guitar player, problematic person. All right. Well, I'm not going to probably disagree with you, but he's 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 in rehab now, man. He's fucking, he's living the, the day. Jerry Garcia rehab. <laughs> the Jerry Garcia rehab. <laughs> Jerry Bear, man. Uh, I saw them at fucking um, Bethel, which is like Woodstock. And oh my God, bro. These people, like, if you've never been to Bethel Woods, it's a beautiful place. The landscape is amazing. You have the mountains behind you. All the lawns are like pruned nicely. And then you got these fucking hippies trying to come in. And where I, I was sitting in like the main floor area and there was a grass next to me and like, dude, it was like the walking dead, just like them trying to get on the grass and start dancing. You had like these 60 year old security guards trying to like back them up. There was one guy that like, that was like, they set a line and he was like doing like, like some mime shit. It was fucking great. It was a great I'm experience. just picturing a bunch of like hippies just grunting around with truck <laughs> Jerry. Andy <laughs> oh um, I would have shouted out Turnstile as well, but instead I will shout out uh, an album that I know both myself and Ryan were really looking forward to. Uh, and that's the new Death Heaven, Death Heaven album. Okay, nice. Um, their new album, Infinite Granite, is very much like a continuation of what they've kind of done their whole career. But like, especially if you listen to Ordinary Corrupt Human Love uh, and you heard that just there was a lot more rock and pop happening, Infinite Granite kind of finally strips away all of the black metal from Death Heaven's sound and leaves it. But but that's not to say that it is a boring album. It is a very, it's a, it's an, it's a love letter to dream pop and to shoegaze, but with black metal drums so that's fun um but there's just great songwriting all throughout it's a great fucking album to just like put on your car when you're commuting and just jam out to uh and i've loved everything they've done so i'm, I'm a huge fan of this this is an early contender for met for album of the year for me personally um and i'm also going to give a special shout out to something that i listened to today and i forgot that i enjoyed quite a bit and that was uh the 2006 album by slayer christ illusion great album Nice. Uh, Flesh Storm is Slayer really knows how to make a hell of a fucking opening track. Jeff Hanneman knows how to make a, truly, a, a, truly. That's the one thing, and I, I, forget, I think I was talking to my wife about this the other day, and she's like, "Yeah, okay, Chris." I'm just like, "I'm like, God no, hates you don't us get all." It. God I'm, like, hates all. <laughs> I'm like, "God hates us all." Great album, and Payback, what a, a disciple to start Payback that song is like oh my god payback is is the song that made me realize i like slayer when i was like 14 just seeing the boom, brr, 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 brr. oh god so fucking good so my here my so my first time ever seeing slayer roseland ballroom they were so fly open for them and like i went to go see soul fly because you know latin metal music i was all about it when i was in, in high school um so after Soulfly gets off, we go downstairs in Roseland Ballroom, go to the bathroom. All of a sudden, we just see bikers, a bunch of bikers oh, down there. They're, they're getting their gloves on. They're lacing their boots up. I'm like, am I going to die? <laughs> so then they go up, lights go out, opening music comes on. Me and my friend are standing in the middle of Roseland Ballroom. We look around. There's no one around us besides these bikers that oh, are just fuck. swinging and kicking. I'm like, we're going to die right now. And then <laughs> they come out, and it was an, a fantastic show. Uh. 
I was I was lucky enough to catch them when they played with Megadeth and Anthrax when Joey Belladonna came back. Uh, it was when Megadeth was playing all of Rust in Peace, and they were playing either all of South of Heaven or all of um, Seasons. Of, it was Seasons in the Abyss. Yeah, I well, I went to the. They did that at Nassau Coliseum. That's that's the one I was at. Okay, my buddy Hell ripped up my, my buddy ripped up one of the chairs there. <laughs> Man. hell of a goddamn show but i stayed as far away from the bot i was like at the floor for megadeth you know i love me some rust in peace but the minute that they ended i was like i'm going as far away from the ground as i can be <laughs> for slayer i will not go near this and then Stop. we saw and then we saw a cop uh, a cop horse like go nuts in the parking lot and oh, start fuck. running through the, <laughs> the parking lot now so coliseum like now we're gonna die now we're gonna die this is it oh shit this is why they call it the barn <laughs> that's it Still um, the loudest band I've ever seen to this day. I saw them yeah. at SPAC on the Rockstar Energy Tour with Slipknot and Motorhead. Also the only time I will ever see Motorhead. But dude, fucking them coming out with the fucking upside down cross amps and just, I, yeah. still, I still feel that. I was in the pit. I, I shelled out the extra shekels for uh, pit tickets for this tour when I was working King Cullen. So it, it was just my ears are just fucking something for a week after that according to facebook you still there. work at king cullen do you not uh well i don't want to put my current job there so whatever if i if anything goes down i'll let king cullen take the heat first sorry am i job. am i exposing the business here yeah. <laughs> yes <laughs> um well chris thank you so much for coming on we really appreciate it it's uh it's nice to have somebody that you you love having wrestling nerds on your wrestling podcast you know oh it's the only thing more exciting than getting a, a person that doesn't watch wrestling to watch wrestling is watching wrestling or talking about wrestling with someone that likes it as much as you yep. um a lot of people say that wrestling fandom you know wrestling fans ruin wrestling and they're the worst in a lot of ways they're right wrestling fans are terrible uh i i like to call myself the wrestling fan hating wrestling fan if that makes any sense. I no, I, I agree. Don't like like what you like. Don't be a fucking shit heel. Yep. It's okay to be a smart, but enjoy what you do. Otherwise, yes. what the fuck is the point? Absolutely. Uh, so you and all the marking marking out fellas, you are welcome on anytime. Uh, thanks so much again for coming on. Uh, I know that Thracian is currently writing stuff and you guys did drop something was it earlier this year we dropped a two song single ep whatever you want to call it our uh, house it's two songs called house and spoonerism it's on all of your social media uh, all your streaming platforms um you can go to thracian.bandcamp.com all of all of our releases enya ina and frames are on there as well um we are back in the saddle live shows which i am the most excited about because if you've seen if you remember carver niche shows back in the day it was me and anthony like jumping into each other it's and fucking going. wrecking shit dude i remember seeing you guys <laughs> at mr beery's and that place is fucking madhouse just yeah giving fucking big boots anybody coming on the stage anthony's just fucking going crazy yeah i mean that's that's one of my favorite things about being in a band with anthony is like we we kind of like work off of each other yeah. especially with but like again i'm so proud of everything that he's doing he is like the ultimate front man, front man at that when they when they mm -hmm. play when lost becomes played I was just watching him. He's just like trying to control the cloud. I'm like, he's the, he's the ultimate front man. He was made for it. Yeah. But yeah. So then we are playing October 10th at Amityville Music Hall with Patterns of Decay, um, which should be fun. So I'm stoked about getting out and playing some live music again, playing these new songs. We're writing new stuff. 
Um, yeah, that's it. And anything else you would like to plug? Um, ProWrestlingTees.com slash Marking Out. You can get our merchandise there. We have a couple shirts. Go grab that. Um, Marking Out, Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. You can find it on all of your major podcasting applications. Um, Facebook.com slash Marking Out. Twitter.com slash Marking Out. YouTube and Instagram slash Marking Out 11. Um, I am a freelance videographer. So we put a bunch of videos up on there by one co-host, Brandon. We have a cooking show called Cooking with Brandon where he makes wrestling themed meals. We've made a WWE ice cream bar inspired cheesecake. Um, awesome. I yeah. get the recipe for that actually. It, it, and like he puts obnoxious wrestling references in there. Some like, I don't even understand sometimes. He's like, but it's this. I'm like, okay, sure. Right. Let's, let's <laughs> you so, but it, you know, it's something to, cause I work a lot in sports media. So it's something to do on the side, which is fun. Um, so yeah, that's all stuff marking out. Uh, Twitter, I'm at Chris Sween Dog. Instagram, I'm CM Sweeney85. I really don't post anything fun, exciting. I'll see pictures of my kids and beer. That's awesome. So yeah. Well, thank you so much again. Make sure everybody to definitely go and check out Marking Out if you're looking for uh, a vastly more professional take on wrestling. They are the most professional wrestling podcast. Yeah, we're, um, we're the Brian Myers of, of podcasts. There you there go. You go. Uh, definitely make sure to go out and support the guys in Thracian. I even was lucky enough to have a small part on their song, Deadweight. So if you support them, you support me indirectly. I love playing that song. They're legally obligated to give me shekels every time. It's <laughs> that's important, that. So go do that. Tell Anthony, um, tell Anthony to get break into the merch bin. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm get talking about. Get yourself something nice, kids. <laughs> so... For Chris Sweeney, for Ryan Doyle, and for myself, this has been the most electrifying must-listen-to podcast in sports entertainment. This has been FFC.